It's time for episode 71 of the Clockwise podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 21st, 2015. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast that is always just in time. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined, as always, across this fine nation of ours, by my co-host, Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Dan. How you doing? Hey, I'm great. It's good to be back after the long weekend here in the U.S., I guess. My so... kids had Tuesday off, too, just for what? kicks. So it was a teacher day, so they had a four-day weekend. That was this uh, is too many encroach, days. encroaching holidays, Jason. I agree. We really need to cut back. I didn't get any days off. I worked on Monday. Yeah, my boss makes me work on holidays, too. Yeah, that guy's a jerk. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have two fine guests with us today. To my left is Wired writer Christina Bonington. Hi, Christina. Welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me. And to my left, it is co-founder of this very podcast network, Relay FM, and my co-host for Upgrade, Mike Hurley. Hi, Mike. Hi, Jason. I apologize if I'm the boss that you're referring to that made you work uh, on, your, on your holiday. Oh, no, no, I meant me, but you're right. You did also make me work on the holiday because we just did an episode. Clear, yeah, just to be clear, I wasn't calling Mike a jerk. No. I was calling Jason a yes. jerk, clearly. But yeah, I think that's what we all meant, Mike. So don't worry. It was me who's the jerk in this, in this scenario. Well, we're back here on Clockwise with four tech topics, and we're going to get this done in 30 minutes or less. So as I am this week's designated co-host, I'm going to kick it off. Uh, I was just doing some looking into wireless charging. Uh, I think a few earlier this month, two of the major sort of alliances in wireless charging. I know this is like it's like risk over there in, in wireless charging world. But two of the major sort of industry groups that deal with it merged. So now with that group, there's only one other group. So now we're down to two competing wireless charging standards sort of. So I guess my question is. Is wireless charging, which isn't even really that wireless to begin with, something that still excites people, or is it just kind of a stupid trade-off, like gimmicky thing that we have no interest in whatsoever? Christina, thoughts? Um, I really do hope that wireless charging happens at some point in the future. Um, yeah, I think with the different competing standards in the past, like it's just it hasn't been working, and you have to have this little base station that still plugs into the wall. So yeah, it's not really that wireless right now. Um, but what I remember seeing one time is Apple actually has a patent for a for an iMac that in the base of the monitor has a wireless charger. So anything that would be within about a one meter radius of that base would be able to charge wirelessly. And I thought that was a really slick solution to wireless charging. So I hope that, you know, maybe we'll see something like that in the next couple of years. That would make me really happy. Oh no, but Christina, I have the iMac that's on the arm. It doesn't have a base at all. No, I can't get oh, wireless no. charging. No. <laughs> um, I... I think it's great that they're uh, reducing the number of standards because really we want to get down to one standard that everybody can adopt and not use and then nobody will have wireless <laughs> charging, but it'll be, it'll be simplified. The problem with wireless charging, I mean, Christina said it, you gotta, it's not really wireless because you know, obviously you've got to plug into an outlet somewhere and then you've got like a pad or something because like wireless charging that involves like long range beaming is a lot less likely to happen anytime soon. And so then you got a pad and you got to set the thing down on the pad and, and I 
I, I don't know. It seems, it, yeah, it seems unlikely. I like the idea uh, that Christina mentioned of, of uh, having it integrated into other hardware so that it's just sort of like you're nearby and your, your, your iPhone charges or something like that. But I just, I think... Uh, I think it's unrealistic, and I think our little friends, the cords, those fraying, my fraying, fraying lightning cords are going to be around. I lost one finally, and I got a couple that are about to die. I think they're going to be around for quite a while. So I saw an article um, earlier today from The Telegraph in the UK that Starbucks uh, are going to be rolling out wireless charging in 10 cafes by the end of the month. I like to call them cafes here. Mm. <laughs> Make me smile. So there'll be these little pads, like they're called power mats, which will be in embedded into some yeah, tables right and then you just buy this ring or you borrow it yeah. and you can plug it into your iphone or your micro usb or something like that um and so you'll be able to go into starbucks and, and get wireless charging something interesting I, I i saw in this article jason i think you might quite like this considering what we've been talking about recently mophie undertook a survey where they found that 92 percent of people in the uk experience stress if their smartphone battery runs out of power so, that's what, <laughs> so wireless charging only 92 percent wow i mean i, I would have said higher that eight percent, they just—they're just happy with life. They just don't care. They—they <laughs> they think life gets better when your phone shuts itself down, and they might be right. I think they maybe are they're right. just paranoid people. You know, <laughs> I think that's man. true. Yeah, they—they can't watch it when your phone isn't charged. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the wireless charging thing—I don't know if there's. Oh, I'm mean, granted. I think many of us will be wireless charging a device later this year because the Apple Watch uses the same inductive charging with the little magnetic connector there. So it's not—it's—it's it's still around, and I think it makes sense in some cases because, in the case of the Apple Watch, it means you don't need a exposed charging contacts, which means you can have a better degree of uh, water resistance and the like. Um, but it is very limited right now. I saw a really interesting paper from Microsoft Research where they were trying to come up with a way to charge a phone via just light, um, where you could just stick your phone under this kind of light charging thing and it would like shoot a beam of light at your phone and charge it. <laughs> but it requires photovoltaic cells, like solar cells, essentially. So you got to build those into the phone. Um, and I don't know that you're, cha- you're, you're, you're trading from like plugging a cord into like having to put your phone on a mat. So I'm not convinced <laughs> that the... Uh, the upgrade is really worth it. But I do think Christina's point about like building it in and, and Apple is uniquely positioned to be able to do that since, you know, a lot of people buy into the whole ecosystem and they could just sort of roll it out over all their products. I think that would be really cool. But yeah, I think it's probably still mostly in the realm of gimmickry right now. But thank you all for your thoughts. I really appreciate it. Christina, have you brought a topic for us today? Yeah, so... Um So today there's a Microsoft event going on about Windows 10. And so one feature of Windows 10 is supposed to be called Continuum. And it's supposed to kind of smooth the kind of awkward um, interface experience of like hybrid devices, you know, the the tablet that turns into a laptop and back again. Um, And I was wondering, do you guys think Apple would ever make a hybrid, like a touchscreen MacBook or something? I, um, wow, this is, so, so I, I, what I want to say is no, absolutely not. We've heard Tim Cook talk about the, the idea of the toaster fridge, um, and that, that, uh, they think Apple has said many times from many different executives' perspectives that, uh, they feel like an iPad is good because it's committed to being an iPad and a Mac is good because it's committed to being a Mac. However, I, what gives me pause is just that we seem to be in a phase where Apple is questioning a lot of its long held assumptions. It's not, it's, it's willing to do anything it thinks it's right at the time, even if in the past they've said that uh, it was not a direction they wanted to go. Um, the fact that this was a declaration, the toaster fridge was a declaration from Tim Cook and not from Steve Jobs, makes me feel a little 
little more secure in saying that I think Apple's never going to do it. Um, I, th- that's been the direction the last couple of years, it, it seems to me, that, that Apple looks at what Microsoft has tried to do. And a lot of what Microsoft has been doing in specific has been really cool. It looks like one of Microsoft's major failings is this idea that we can cram all of this stuff together on one device and that it becomes like a u- user interface mess. I have Windows 8.1 running in a boot camp partition on my Mac and I you know I I don't even know how to use it because the the metro stuff although beautiful it's like but how do I get to the computer part and it, and it's just it's awkward and it, I feel like it's kind of messed up all of Microsoft's products. So I think Apple looks at Microsoft as a as an object lesson of what not to do. And so yeah, you know, I think Apple's going to focus on on making iOS and Mac work well together, but I don't see it. I don't see a hybrid device from Apple. Apple, let's also be honest, Apple would really like you to buy two of <laughs> two devices <laughs> and use them separately rather than just one device that's convertible. I think the the, the interesting or difficult thing about this is, you know, as you said, Jason, like Microsoft are clearly taking moves to, whether good or bad, to make their operating system effectively one operating system. That's kind of their goal. And that doesn't seem at all what Apple's doing. So like before they could do that, you'd have to unify iOS and OS ten in some way because it would be super weird to have a device that, looks like OS X and then you take it out of a dock and it becomes iOS. Like I can't think of a world in which I would need that. Like I'm happy to just have two devices because I can't think of a time where I'm like, oh, this would just be easier if I was using iOS instead. Like it's just kind of weird that I would then want to stop work and change into a different mode. Um, So I I can't see it. Like it would confuse me, I think, if they they did something like this because I think it would have to take a, a huge architectural shift before they would consider it. Yeah, I actually was uh, sitting down with a friend of mine the other day and he has one of those Windows laptops with a touchscreen, which was incredibly weird because people kept leaning over and pointing at things on the screen and it would scroll. (laughs) And I'm like, that is extremely distracting. Um, So I don't think that that problem is solved yet. And I can kind of see, you know, looking at those products, why Apple has elected not to go that route yet. But at the same time, I think that there is the possibility that if they found a compelling way to do it, that Apple would decide that there's there's an opportunity there. But right now, I think that especially those those laptop touchscreen combinations, much like the uh, the sort of the wireless charging that we were just talking about, seems much more gimmicky than useful. I think there are some very specific cases where there's a utility from bringing the touchscreen there. Um, but I think you're more likely to see something like that in, in something like the Surface, where there's much more emphasis on the touchscreen nature of it, and the keyboard is sort of there as an ancillary way for input, um, in much in the same way that you can use a keyboard with your iPad. It doesn't seem to me to work as well quite in the other direction of porting the touchscreen to the existing laptop. But uh, again, I don't know if Apple can come up with a really cool way to do that and make it interesting and useful, then I think that they would do it. Uh, but you know, the, the fact that, you know, most of those, the implementations we've seen there are things like, you know, Oh, a drawing tablet for people who are artists. That's great, but it's kind of a niche category and you're probably all, you know, better served either by using an iPad or a dedicated graphics tablet. So yeah, I'm not bullish on the hybrid devices, but I'm not going to be so foolish as to say never. Yeah. I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of along the same lines as you, Dan, I, I feel like right now the people that get the most utility out of a hybrid device are really just edge cases. Um, my boyfriend has a, a Windows uh, Windows 8 device, and yeah, you you point at the screen, and accidentally select something because you're you're you know 
I've been trained that a computer screen doesn't respond to touch, and it's kind of hard to get out of that mindset. Um, the only thing that kind of makes me wonder is how um, so many people now are kind of turning their iPad into a lightweight, you know, like kind of like travel machine and using uh, Bluetooth keyboards and Bluetooth accessories. But I still think that iOS is just fine to use with a Bluetooth keyboard. You don't need to switch to, to OS X. Um, you know, for for that to work. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, it's you never know with Apple toaster fridge, though. I'm saying toaster <laughs> fridge. They're gonna. It's I want gonna a fridge. Wild. I want a fridge toaster. Yeah. Well, Microsoft might be able to uh, help you out there. We that. Thank you, Christina, for your topic. That that's two down, two to go. It's that means it's halftime. The halftime show not provided by Katy Perry this week, but instead sponsored by Loot Crate. Let me tell you briefly about Loot Crate. This is a monthly subscription box service. It's got Epic Geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. You spend less than twenty dollars a month, and you get six to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, and other unique one of a kind items. I just uh, started my Loot Crate subscription with the December box and. And my kids and I had a lot of fun opening it up, and there was a lot of great stuff in there. I like that there are multiple items in the box, and even the box was kind of cool. They print some interesting stuff on the inside of the box. So it's like it's like you got a friend who knows what you like and wants to surprise you with an awesome little box collection of presents in a box um, every month. So you should definitely check it out. They ship to nine countries. There's more info about that on their site. Um, and there's a whole community around it. People are doing unboxing and sharing their experience. And, and, and Loot Crate guarantees $40 or more of value in every crate, sometimes a lot more. Every month, there's a different theme, and all items are curated around that theme. So if you want to get in line for the February theme for Loot Crate, here's what you need to do. Go to lootcrate.com slash clockwise and enter code clockwise at checkout, and you'll save 10% on any new subscription to Loot Crate. So thank you so much to Loot Crate. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. LootCrate.com slash clockwise. And that's our halftime sponsor. Now, time for the kickoff of the second half. It's my topic. It's actually a topic that we uh, we talked about, Mike and I talked about a little bit on Upgrade this week, which is workflows. We get comfortable in our workflows, uh, although you could also say that we, we get stuck in a rut. Uh, and, and I was curious, I wanted to ask you guys, is there a new computer skill of some kind, a, a, a new app uh, you want to try, but inertia prevents you, or a new skill you want to learn and you just never get around to it? I'm curious, is there something that you aspire to learn on your computer, and why, you know, is there something holding you back and why? Mike, what do you think? So this definitely isn't a new skill. It's kind of as old as a computer skill could be. Uh, I have always wanted to learn how to touch type. So I am huh. I am a hunt and I am a hunt and pecker. Wow! Uh, and I mean I can do it with relative speed and and you know when I say I'm not like staring at the the key. Do like you, going, do you really hunt F? or do you just peck? I just peck, but I mean I do look down at the at the at the at the keyboard quite a bit. You know, like I'm not trying to, oh, okay. to find the cue so every you're time. Doing I, some hunting, I, I, all right? Yeah. So I'm doing a little bit, you know, and but I I can't uh, I can't just consistently look at the screen and get 100% or even 95% accuracy or something. So I would love to learn how to do it, you know, like to find, to anchor myself on the F and the H, that kind of thing. It's just something we'd never learn in school. Uh, and so I, it was kind of not something I picked up as a young, at a young age. And then I've kind of got stuck in my ways of typing. So I can type relatively fast, but it's just not as accurate if I'm, if I'm not keeping an eye on the keyboard every once in a while. Mike, I should I should introduce you to my friend Mavis Beacon. She teaches <laughs> typing. She sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad actually did that for years. Like, you know, he would be at work and he'd be using two fingers, and he could type really, really fast with that. But I, I feel like it was terribly inefficient. 
Um, for me, there are two things I was thinking. One was a writing app. Uh, I've been working on uh, a writing project, and I keep hearing about other good writing apps, and one of them in particular is John August's app, uh, Highland. And I keep thinking, oh, I should try that out and like try that for my next writing project. But like at the same time, I'm kind of stymied because I'm sort of locked into the writing tools that I use, and I have a very good, like we're saying, workflows that sort of you know get me done, you know get me through what I'm what I'm trying to do. I know where all the features are, etc. Et so I, I'm kind of loath to try and sort of switch horses midstream, as it were. But it's it's been on like my radar for a long time, and I just need to sort of try it out for maybe a shorter project or two first. Uh, and the other thing is, I constantly run into things where I want to use Apple Script, except I. <laughs> never figure out a good way to learn apple script and every time i do it i basically try you know oh this task would be so much faster if i could do it with apple script and i go and spend a while like researching apple script and the time it takes for me to do that and then try to write a script and fail and then try again and then fail is like mm. i could have just done the thing i was trying to do in the first place now <laughs> so uh, as much as i and I've, I've done a lot of other programming stuff but apple script always seems like oh that could actually have like an impact in in the way that i actually do all my work every day but instead, I just let Jason write all my Apple scripts for me. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, let's see. For me, there's kind of two things that go hand in hand. Um, one I keep trying to do and I end up dropping off is using like some of these new smart calendar, um, you know, smart task apps like um, Tempo or Time and Timeful are two that I've tried. And I've, I've liked both of them a lot, but I just end up after, you know, a couple weeks or so, I just end up switching back to... Um, to another calendar app. And so those are kind of cool because, well, timeful, you could say like, okay, I want to squeeze in some time to do some emails and I need to get in a workout today. And it kind of starts to learn from what you do and your other meetings and stuff to squeeze in when there's a good time to, to fit in that activity. And, um, you know, for me, one of those things, um, I always forget to like call my parents and say hi, uh, cause they're, um, they're in Texas. And so there's a time, uh, there's a time zone difference. And so, you know, I settle down, I have dinner at the end of the day, it's like eight 30 and I'm like, Oh, it's 10 30 their time. Like, oh, I need to wait till tomorrow. And the same thing happens again. Um, so I'd like to use one of those apps to kind of, um, you know, optimize tasks throughout the day, throughout the day. And then along with that is, I don't have a good workflow for checking my email. It just always seems to interrupt what I'm doing. I can't seem to just close out and ignore it for a while. Um, it's just kind of always there nagging and interrupting. And so I just need to figure out a way to integrate email checking into my workflow that's um, less disruptive. Those are great. In fact, I'm, I'm going to say that you guys have mentioned some things that I've always thought are uh are things that I should I should do more of. Dan mentioned scripting. I feel like I could do I, I could do more to learn some other scripting languages to, uh, and and you know optimize more of my workflow. But it's a lot to learn any any of those languages. Time management, Christina, it's so totally true. I've got all of these great time management programs and and uh, uh, books and things like that. And I I just I find funny I never have the time to learn them. <laughs> and email, I, I totally am on board with that one too. That it, it's t it's tough to find a, a new way to break out of the 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 rut that I'm in an email. But what I'm going to say is um, macro utilities is the one uh, like text expander uh, and 
or something like Keyboard Maestro, but like Text Expander is a good example. I've got Text Expander. I own Text Expander. And yet, I with with a very few exceptions, I, I just don't use it for anything. Yeah, um, I've got it turned on. I've got a couple things programmed into it. But I, I know, and I know people who swear by it, and it's, a, it's an incredibly powerful tool. This episode not brought to you by Text Expander. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but uh, to... I, I just never had that moment where I'm like, oh, I could shorten that thing that I type all the time and put it in there. It just, it never occurs to me. I'm a very fast typist. I type 110 words a minute. So I had that moment of like, well, I could just type it. Uh, but I realize in the back of my head, I'm thinking, uh, yes, but if you, you could also type a couple of letters and then the rest of it would type for you. And I just have never gotten over the hump into any macro utility ever over my entire life as a computer user. And I know that I probably should, but it's going to require a, a some sort of change in my frame of reference that I just haven't managed yet. So it's it's out there. It's like I should be more diligent about my like one password. Like, cause I have stuff in one password, but I should be like, oh yeah, I should do the thing where you can like audit it and like change your passwords and use all the like randomly generated passwords, but I'm just too lazy to do that. <laughs> so my, my password is one, two, three, four, by good, the way. Good. All right. Logging in now. It's changing it to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Damn it. I have to say, Jason, that uh, Text Expander has saved me. 13 hours so and yeah and and as with a typist like me you know i love it when programs tell you how much time they saved for you isn't that great yep all right do you have a topic for us i sure do so there's a lot of rumors at the moment that uh apple is going to be introducing a stylus uh for the ipad so i'm wondering you know obviously there is a an idea for artists here um but what kind of uses do you think people could get out of having a stylus and why would apple want to introduce a stylus for the ipad uh and as somebody with no artistic talent whatsoever um, I really don't see much of a utility for stylus for me. I also have terrible handwriting, and I don't really see why I, like, <laughs> I've learned to type. Why would I want to go backwards? Uh, every once in a while, there's the idea like, oh, yeah, sketching something or like, you know, drawing on a presentation or something, you know, sort of annotating could be kind of cool. But I have a, I mean, I have a stylus, like the the nice, the Studio Neat, the Cosmonaut, which is a very nice little device. Um, and I, I like it. It's fine. But often I don't really use it. I throw it in the bag to have, but I I rarely use it. Um, And I think part of that might be that there's just not really compelling hardware in terms of the iPad as a tablet for drawing and stuff isn't as good as graphics tablets. So it doesn't have the same levels of pressure sensitivity. It doesn't do as quite as good a responsive job. It's it's good for like sort of quick and dirty stuff, but it's it's really not, I think, up to the professional level in most cases. So if they're gonna really spend the time of investing, you know, money in making this like a really competitive to graphics tablets, I think that's you know, that's something that could be compelling. But again, I think it's kind of a niche market and I think that there's it's gonna to be an ancillary add-on for people who are really interested in that sort of thing, but I don't think that most people really get into using the the styli. So I I have to think that this is sort of a maybe a small feature like hey we've added better support for stylus stylus is style I'm going to use them all we've added better support for this in our new iPad Pro, but it's not you can still just use it like you would a normal iPad. I feel like this has to be a go at the enterprise market. You know, I think they've been making a push um, in that for the last year or two with a partnership with IBM, uh, you know, the rumors of the um, big giant 12-inch iPad. And I feel like in a business setting and conferences that having a stylus would be 
um, a stylus and a touchscreen is kind of extra useful. Um, but other than that, yeah, artists, designers, um, I do know a lot of, um, you know, industrial designers and architect types that, you know, do a lot of sketching on the iPad um, and use, you know, various styluses for that. Styli? Styluses? Um, <laughs> what is the plural of stylus? Um, Depends yeah, on how Latin other- you are. <laughs> but other than that, like, I, I don't find myself needing a stylus pretty much ever unless I just feel like sketching on my commute. Yeah, um, I, I like Dan, I have terrible handwriting. Uh, the pens, pens are my enemy. Sorry, Mike, co-host of The Pen Addict. I kind of hate pens and don't like to write. And so for me, it is not for me. Styluses, not for me. Uh, I do have the Cosmonaut and I like it because it's big. And so even my my stupid caveman hands, I can uh, I can like draw things on, you know, draw something, a game that I don't play anymore. But, I, you know, I, I just I think I think it's a great niche thing for very I, I think it's overstated. I think the need is overstated. We hear like doctors saying, oh, it would be great to have a stylus so that I could write on things. And I, I kind of don't believe that need actually is that strong. But for artists, it'll be great. And I have to admit that reading about how uh, lots of artists have started. Uh, doing things like buying the Surface because they like the digitizer on the Surface and uh, using that to, to do you know drawing in Photoshop wherever they are or, or whatever their chosen app is um, and thinking, wow, Apple has some great uh, drawing programs on the iPad, but the iPad hardware itself is the limitation here. And a Bluetooth pre- pressure-sensitive pen is nice, but it's kind of a nice hack uh, because there are lots of other issues in the resolution of the digitizer on the iPad isn't good enough. And so I, I want to see Apple do it mostly because I hate to see them being behind there with some part of their audience that feels like their core audience, but I'm not sure how big a, a niche that really is. So obviously, you know, you guys have mentioned like the, the reasons that people might want to use it, you know, like note taking and, and art is the, is probably the biggest use case. So I've been thinking like, why, why would Apple want to do this? And I think the iPad is 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 five years old now, and I think that there hasn't really been a significant change into how the iPad works. It's kind of it's kind of been similar for the for the whole time, um, you know, with just apps and stuff and different serv- software and services building up for it. But this would would mark a big change in the iPad's hardware uh, that could actually make it more appealing to some. So it could just be simply a case of this is a feature. We need to add a feature. What's a feature that could work? Well, people want this. Let's give them this. Sounds plausible to me or not plausible. I guess we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) You can take that in the edit, right? (laughs) How you feel later. (laughs) It's a toaster pen. (laughs) That, That sounds extremely unsafe, Jason. But at least it charges wirelessly. Mm, and, and, and I uh, edit the episode so Dan will sound just as... Uh, Terrible as non- he does always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, that's four topics, which means, Jason, do we have time for a bonus topic? We do. Excellent. Well, let me throw this out there. I, this weekend, uh, this past weekend, participated in a puzzle competition, the annual MIT Mystery Hunt. I enjoy doing puzzles, particularly crossword puzzles. I try to do the New York Times crossword puzzle most days. I'm curious, do you guys like puzzles? And if so, do you have a favorite type of puzzle? Christina? Um, I like word puzzles. I like um, like spelling type word puzzles. Uh, one thing uh, over Christmas, uh, my sister got this game called Bananagrams. Oh, and yeah. it's kind of like Scrabble, but there's no board. And you just have to make words that are connected in a Scrabble-like fashion as fast as you can. And um, I pretty much dominated. Nice. I also played that over Christmas. It's a fun game. Yeah. 
Dan, you know, you said, do, do you like puzzles? I have to say, I did. I had to uh, spend some time thinking about this and looking deep within myself to say, I think I don't. I'm surprised to say this. I think I don't like puzzles. I don't think there are any pu- kinds of puzzles that I really stick with. My wife loves jigsaw puzzles, and I have no idea why she likes them. Um, I, I try to do crossword puzzles, and I usually give up very quickly on those. I don't know. I think puzzles are not my are not my thing. Jason, I'm going to say, I think you recently recorded a podcast about a puzzle game that I think you like. So por- Portal is my I answer. would call that as I would call that a puzzle. That that's a certain type of spatial puzzle type thing. Well, I don't know. I I I think you you I appreciate you trying to get me into uh, the all right minded people like puzzles. Jason, that's I don't know. I think I'm a terrible person who doesn't like puzzles. This is what I'm saying. So I'm sorry. I apologize to everybody out there who likes puzzles. I I I. I, I don't know. Mike, redeem us. Uh, I am puzzled as to why Dan Moran would steal my answer and give it to Jason. Uh, I like puzzles <laughs> in video games, uh, uh, like nah. like Portal. Uh, I, that's the kind of puzzle that I like, uh, where you have to kind of, you are presented with an option or some options, and you're presented with a, some something you have to solve, uh, and you try and find a way around to solve it within a video game. Uh, where I'm, that's, that's the, kind of, the kind of puzzle I like. Yeah, I agree. Those are fun. Monument Valley, another good puzzle game. The Room, another good puzzle game. Lots of great puzzle oh, games. Oh, yeah. The Room is a great puzzle game. So, puzzles. See, most people like puzzles. Three out of four people like puzzles. That's I'll take that to the bank. <laughs> the puzzle bank? I'll puzzling. The puzzle, the puzzle bank. <laughs> puzzle cast coming next week. Nope. Well, <laughs> well nope, nope, uh, nope. I think that's just about all the time that we have today. Christina Bonnington, thank you so much for being here again. Thank you. And Mike Hurley, thanks a lot for visiting our little corner of the Relay FM empire. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. And that wraps it up for us on this edition of Clockwise. We'll be back next week. Dan, pleasure as always. Pleasure being here, Jason. And to everybody out there, remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. See you next time. Bye. Bye.